Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. We just saw The Northman last night, and what an incredible experience this was to have in theaters. Such a great film. So we literally just saw it, so forgive us if we get something wrong or we mispronounce names or something like that. We're literally fresh off it like 16 hours later. But we really love this. This movie is ferocious. It does not let up. There's almost no warmth or softness to it. It's cold, dark, and absolutely epic and savage, directed by Robert Eggers, written by Eggers, as well as his writing partner, Sean. And so we're going to do a spoiler-free chat about it for about 15 to 20 minutes to give you our initial thoughts on the film, um, why we think you should see it, uh, the best highlights of the film without giving anything away, its strengths, and then we're going to talk... We're going to do a deep dive into spoiler ter- territory and really talk about the film in depth. So 20-minute yeah. spoiler free, so don't worry. We're not going to give anything away that you haven't seen in a trailer or photo. We will warn you. So a quick yeah. synopsis of The Northman. Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother as well. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who's on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. Starring Alexander Skarsgård, we also have... Ethan Hawke, Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor-Joy, Kleist Bang, Gustav Lind, and of course, William Defoe. And Bjork. W- Willem Defoe, I'm sorry. <laughs> William Defoe. <laughs> and Bjork. Uh, and the cast is really excellent, very talented. For some highlights for me were Nicole Kidman and Ethan Hawke. They were really terrific. They're obviously in supporting roles. This is Alexander Skarsgård's movie, we all know, but I think uh, Ethan and Nicole brought their veteran talent to this movie and they stole the scenes they were in. It was so great to see them in a interesting, artistic film like this on a large scale. And they just ate up all of their scenery. They, I think they were the standouts. And then Anya Taylor-Joy and Alexander Skarsgård had a lot of fun as well. But Willem Dafoe is just going bananas in this, and I love it. Yeah, like I've never seen, I don't think, Ethan Hawke take on a role like this, this like Viking, barbaric, savage king. It was really interesting to watch the yeah, depths yeah. he went to with the role. And obviously we've seen Willem do roles like, re- really wild roles like in The Lighthouse with Eggers films. And then Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, we've seen her in roles like this. Nicole Kim, we've seen her in similar roles like this as well. But I think just Ethan Hawke is just like, I've never seen him do anything like this before. It was so fun to watch him. He was great as the king. I, I really adored him. Like seeing him show up and riding up on the horse to the kingdom like you see in the trailer, I was like smiling like, oh man, there's Ethan Hawke. He's this Viking king. Oh man, this is so epic. I love yeah. it. Robert Eggers, we love the guy. I think he's cementing himself as one of the most exciting and unique filmmakers working today. His writing partner, Sean, who's Sigorn Bigger Sergensen, known as Sean, is an Icelandic poet, novelist, and lyricist. He frequently collaborates with the singer Bjork, who's in this film as well. She plays a witch s or a witch or a sorceress. He wrote Lamb, which came out uh, last year. Yeah, which I, I really loved. It was one of my favorite movies last year. Very interesting writer. Uh, has a lot of deep meta- metaphorical work within the writing in this movie. It's if you're a fan, if you're a fan of Eggers, if you're a fan of The Lighthouse and you like The Witch, you're gonna really like this movie. It's still in his style, even though it's on a grander scale. It's with a major studio. He has a lot of money to work with, but it still has his style and his signature strangeness that you're gonna see in his other movies. And I feel like I was expecting it when I watched the trailer. I'm like, this looks a lot stylistically like The Witch as opposed to The Lighthouse, which is obviously black and white with a 4-3 aspect ratio, going to like very early days of filmmaking with that movie. And so it looks like this, I think, is his preferred visual style because it felt like a, a brother or sister visually and 
in terms of the coloring, the cinematography to The Witch. Plus, Anya Taylor-Joy's back yeah. in it as well. Uh, right now, critically, as of April 22nd, when we film this episode, even though it's posting on Monday, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is as is it at it is at 89% fresh with 131 critic reviews, 77% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb is a 7.9 with 10,000 ratings. I expect that to get bumped up over eight once more people see it. I expect it to drop. It's an AMC artisan film. I don't think this movie had the best marketing campaign for a movie that really needs to make well over $150 million, $200 million to start pulling that profit back because, you know, this budget was about $90 million with The Witch. Eggers was working with $4 million, and he got a $40 million box office from that. So that was a very successful movie. The Lighthouse was $11 million with an $18 million box office. I think that was just essentially people who love The Witch then also going to see Pattinson and Willem Dafoe in that role as well. So it's a pretty solid box office for that budget. But The Northman is estimated to be around a $90 million budget. We don't know exactly for sure. I've heard, I've seen like 60, 70 million, but I'm guessing 90, 220 plus marketing at least. And then you have to factor in that the theaters also share in the profits. So the money, the movie doesn't have to, it has to make more than its budget, much more than its budget in order to turn a profit. So, uh, and considering looking at so we're filming this on friday and it was released last night which is when we saw it, thursday night and it pulled in 1.3 million dollars for its thursday early screenings which is not very good at all it's looking i, I would estimate it's looking at around 15 million dollars opening weekend for its first weekend domestically which is definitely not what they want they want to be in the 25 30 million dollar range to give themselves a good start to earning some money to make that um, um, budget back so it looks like this is going to be a pretty significant box office failure for focus well, features we'll see we'll see you know it could be a word of mouth movie and it's still only been one day you know i think people will get to see it in theaters they'll get to it eventually in the next couple of weeks i think internationally you do pretty well so i, I don't want to say that immediately it's only been a thursday preview we haven't even seen what friday is going to do yet when we're recording this for all we know it could pull 25 who knows um, so hopefully it makes as much money as possible because people really need to see movies like this because after a few more years of bombs, if this bombs, a lot of these big studios won't take chances like this on these directors and these storytellers. And it's pretty uncommon for Focus Features to make this big of a movie, like this much money. They generally historically have gone around 25 to 20 to 30 million dollar range for the movies and even much smaller as well so this is a big risk for them to take obviously they didn't do the distribution they have a deal with universal for distribution but uh focus features put up most of the money on this so i hope they can make a profit on this that would be really great because the thing with this movie is it's just a giant art house movie which is really great when you're we're seeing big budget studio picture after picture, superheroes, Star Wars, whatever. You know, it's all like the same kind of stuff. And that's generally what we're seeing for our large scale movies and big mainstream movies. And so it's really refreshing to see a movie that like it would have come out like 25, 30 years ago, no problem. But nowadays it's pretty few and far between that we get big movies like this that are very different they're challenging for an audience. They're visually stunning, and they're a lot more. They're about a lot more than just a good guy fighting the bad guy and, and saving the day at the end. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast, besides using our coupon codes, is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, where you get awesome perks like personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the show, as well as all patrons have access to weekly bonus episodes. And our $10 and $25 tier patrons have access to our Discord, which we communicate with every day and also do watch parties every month for movies and all sorts of stuff. Also, our $25 Godfather tier patrons get to have their own 
custom episode that they choose your topic we'll make an episode just for you that only godfather patrons can access and see we also launched our podcast masterclass online course last year so for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of the show the link is podcast masterclass.teachable.com or just go to our website, RaidersOfTheLostPodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage. You can see all of our sources of content, merch, custom movie posters. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in around the world. Now let's get back into The Northmen. And this movie is, as you can see from the trailer, it's got brutal action. And it it feels like it's very much like Eggers was inspired by The Revenant in terms of what the action looks like. It's really well choreographed. Brutal, lots of long takes, just stunning cinematography, and great work by the stunt team of pulling off these exciting action sequences. Some of the highlights of the movie are their action sequences. It's brutal, and Skarsgård is just going to town, just tearing people apart, showing his brute strength as a Viking that I have not seen on screen before, just like... The idea of these these Norse Norse tribes who were just like would conquer a village like no problem. They just storm in, take over, kill, pillage, just just burn places to the ground. And they were some of the fiercest, largest, most frightening warriors that have ever crossed the earth. Yeah, horrible people. This movie shows the savagery yeah. of this kind of behavior and these this culture, this cult, just the specific part of the culture. I yeah. mean, not all of Iceland was like this or Scandinavia, but this is just when Iceland was being colonized, basically, because it was technically, I think it was pretty much an empty land and country at the time being. So this is when the Norse were moving to Iceland to conquer. Cinematography was done by Jaren Blask, who did both The Witch and The Lighthouse, so obviously Obviously, within a, a couple seconds, within a second, you know that it's the same cinematographer and it's an Eggers movie right away. That's because Eggers is an auteur and his cinematography and style that he likes is so specific to him. The music was done by Robin Carillon and Sebastian Gainsborough. Love the music. Yeah, they never actually done a musical score for a movie before, and this is the first time they've worked together. And I love the music. The it's it felt just like. In like northern European, we got a lot of like string instruments, but also the drum beating was constant whenever like the war the Vikings were going to battle, going to war. Just the drum beating I can still hear it in my head. It was all over this movie. It was so great. And the vocals too, mm-hmm. lots of chanting and also a couple of the actors, they do a lot of great um vocal work in terms of uh there's characters who do like this ancient kind of guttural throat singing and they did an excellent job it sounded with that. like death metal yeah exactly. it sounded like modern day death metal it's, it's probably where it came from maybe yeah and Skarsgård he was just an absolute beast in this and this is something he he wanted to do it was it wasn't an idea that Eggers came up with on the spot what happened was Skarsgård and Eggers met up I think they just had a business meeting to just to discuss the the possibility of working together and Skarsgård told Eggers he had been dying to do a Viking movie it's like what he it's like his passion to be as an actor right now is like I want to do a Viking movie. Like that's like my number one thing on my list of things I can do now that I'm like a respected, well-known, famous actor and can get movies made. And so after he told Eggers that, Eggers came back to him with this rundown of this story and a possibility for what they can do in terms of a, a Viking film. And then Skarsgård loved it, and they both just produced the film together. This is uh, produced by both Eggers and Skarsgård. I believe it's the first time Skarsgård's produced something. Um, so it was really cool to see Skarsgård's na- name on the credits as a producer and a star as well. Yeah, and you can see, even though it's dark, savage, and barbaric, 
And like I said, there's no warmth at all. You can still see the passion put into this project was intense. Production design was done by Craig Lathrop, who also did The Witch and the Lighthouse. And it's just essentially a revenge story. Sometimes that's what the doctor ordered, you know? (laughs) Kill Bill, John Wick, Lion King. Grit, it's like Lion King, Django, yeah. Old Boy, The Handmaiden, Taken, Equalizer, Conan the Goddamn Barbarian. Sometimes it re- felt very Conan esque. Sometimes yeah. revenge stories are just amazing and fun to watch, even though they're not thematically the most uh, moral films or ethical films. But sometimes a revenge movie is just so entertaining that I can't help but not look. I couldn't look away at all. Yeah, and plus there's a lot of great symbolic moments in the film. There's a lot of great um, symbolism in terms of what. Eggers is doing with the story and translating it with the imagery that you're seeing on screen and the Icelandic imagery as well. He filmed all over the UK, Iceland, and I believe Norway. So it it, it feels like it's like more. It's bigger than just Iceland, and the the landscape shots are beautiful. The location work is really really stunning. Um, filming uh, at the volcano that you see in the trailer, and some of the like my favorite landscape was like there's there's this huge brown earth with natural smoke pouring out of cracks in the earth. And I, it was, like, really stunning to see that imagery together. So they did an excellent job capturing these environments, making it feel like almost like Game of Thrones-esque, where it's like, it's we know this is Earth, but it feels a little bit different. Now, what time period does The Northman take place? It takes place in a, in the year 1914 during the opening in 1914 during the Landsmold. And the Landsmold refers to the early settlement of Iceland before the so, establishment of Althing. I'm confused. 1914? 914. 914. I'm sorry. Did I say 19? Yeah. <laughs> 914. I'm sorry. The year 914, okay. the 10th century. <laughs> North settlers migrated across the North Atlantic Ocean. We see, like, obviously these tribes taking over these villages, these Viking tribes who are the Northmen. And the reasons for the migration are uncertain, but Middle Age... Icelanders themselves tended to cite civil strife among the attributing ab- uh, ambitions of the Norwegian king of Harald I of Norway for the reason why they migrated to Iceland. And now what is a Northman? Essentially a Viking, also called Norsemen or Northmen, member of the Scandinavian seafaring warriors who raided and colonized wide areas of Europe, Europe from the 9th to 11th century and whose disruptive influence profoundly affected European history. Yeah, and so Skarsgård plays one of these men, although it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, so actually the Northman and his character Amleth is loosely based on the story of Amleth, which is supposed but likely fictional Viking prince, most famous today as the basis for William Shakespeare's Hamlet. So Hamlet was actually inspired by this story of Amleth, which is a small section of a larger saga written by the in the early 13th century by a Danish historian named Saxon. So Amleth, whether or not it was a true figure, was a true story, was a story told for centuries among these cultures. That makes a lot of sense because when I watched this movie, I walked out of it thinking that felt like Hamlet and the Lion King because those like Lion King is based on Hamlet loosely. And the story is essentially is a revenge film about a man, a prince who is revenging his avenging his father's death yeah. at the hand of his uncle. There's some other terms I'd like to go over real quick mm-hmm. just to clear up some, some terminology. I, I'd love to hear it. So Valhalla is heavily talked about in this film. You might recognize recognize the term from Mad Max or Valhalla Rising that's in a lot of films and Valhalla in Old Norse called Valhall in Norse mythology is the hall of slain warriors who live there blissfully under the leadership of the god Odin. The ranks of Valhalla would therefore predominantly be filled with elite warriors, especially heroes and rulers. So this is like the greatest honor that a warrior or a leader or king prince could achieve supposedly in the afterlife is to head to Valhalla. 
So it's like the pearly gates of their heaven. Basically. Yeah. Like Mad Max, like, I live, I die, yeah, I, I live, live again. again. That's him going to Valhalla. Gotcha. And then what is a berserker? So a berserker in this film are these warriors who are in this like trance-like fury, a characteristic later given to them, gave to the rise of the modern English word berserk, which means ferocious, fur- furiously violent or out of control. And so these warriors, these Viking Northmen, when they attack a village, they are in this crazy, animalistic, barbaric, savage trance, which is, that's why it actually we see brought that up berserker. Yeah. And so the word berserker literally means bear shirt. Obviously, we, in, you can see in the trailer they're wearing like bear skins and bear heads all over their bodies and that stuff like that. That must be like where the berserker mode comes into play for Wolverine when he goes berserker. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. That's where that must be where the term comes from. I'm comes sure from for him. And also, the is there is it accurate that these Vikings and these Northmen would fight without armor because they're going into battle with like just like something three hundred style, like legit, just yeah. covered in blood and mud and just holding swords. And actually, according to the 13th century historian Snorri Stolson, interpreted the meaning as bear shirt. That is to say, the warriors went into battle without armor and their abdomen was usually exposed stuff like that and there's a description by the poet Snorri Sturluson talking about berserkers says Owens, Odin's men rushed forwards without armor were as mad as dogs or wolves bit their shields and were strong as bears or wild oxen and killed people at a blow but neither fire nor iron told upon them this was the berserker gang and now the like on average the tallest human beings on earth in terms of like a culture or population it is in northern europe in these areas that's why they i think eggers did a great job with showing these viking they're warriors huge. they're yeah. massive they're so tall scars guards like what yeah. six five yeah. and every other one of these viking northmen is about the same height just massive enormous human beings just the craziest warriors that you would never want to fight and that makes sense the whole berserker aspect because when they they be they've become like animalistic beasts when they fight and they scream and they growl and they they act animal like and so I love how Eggers brought that cultural history into the action sequences. And then scholar Hilda Ellis Davidson draws a parallel between the berserkers uh, in the works of Byzantine Emperor Constantine the Sixth, where it's a, it's described the berserkers as this fury, which is called the berserker gang occurred not only in the heat of battle, but also during laborious work. Men who were thus seized performed things that were otherwise seemed impossible for human power. This condition is said to have begun with shivering, chattering of teeth, and chill on the body, and the face swelled and charged and changed its color. With, I'm sorry. That's okay. With this was connected a great hot-headedness, which at last gave her, gave over into a great rage, under which they howled as wild animals bit the edge of their shields and cut down everything they met without discriminating between friend and foe. So it's just this wild fury of crazy rage, animalistic, barbaric war. I wonder if biologically, like, they're producing intense amounts of adrenaline within them and their bodies by doing that to prepare. Oh, I'm sure, And their adrenaline coursing through their veins is what's giving them, like, this, and like, not enhanced strength, but, like, ability to be stronger than usual and incoherent just fury. I bet it's, like... Creating adrenaline. They're just jacking themselves yeah. up, but they don't use pre-workout. No pre-workout. They just go crazy <laughs> over like spirituality and uh-huh. insanity and barbarism and savagery. Mm-hmm. Get the mentality. Yeah, yeah. So, but they did a great job depicting that in this film and actually, you know, reciting historical for, uh, uh, historical things here. This is history. To show folks. that it's, it's, it's tr- history. It folks. was you know loosely true. Obviously, fact check is, true. This is hundreds and hundreds of years ago, <laughs> so like we weren't there. But... It was. A, this was a 1914, guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know we're going off you know historical documents here and, and i think that's what eggers was trying to do and show when they were writing this was to try to be as historically accurate as they can even though they understood that there are enormous gaps with what actually was happening at the time yeah and this movie is also very trippy as you see in the trailer there's like the the shield maiden riding a horse and into the heaven is like it, there's a lot of crazy wild imagery and trippy like you're on lsd type sequences that you see in this movie that is like on a scale like when he started doing with the lighthouse and then it's like he's got he's gone like he's dialed it to 11 in this movie it gets really really crazy but in a good way yeah it's a really entertaining movie it's like the most entertaining movie he's made obviously the lighthouse for a lot of people and i think with the witch it's not for most audiences. It's, it's, if you're not paying attention, you're not listening to the dialogue closely, you will miss things specifically with the lighthouse. Like that dialogue is intense. You got to pay attention. It's like watching the tragedy of Macbeth. If you're not paying attention, you're gonna not understand what's going on in that entire movie. Yeah. Not that the the not that the dialogue in the lighthouse is that complex, but I think Macbeth is probably the most. It's complex not complex. It's, it's because it's yeah. Shakespeare's a different it's old, level. It's old English. You know? Old English in lighthouse, it can be kind of difficult to to catch. And it's this is he. They did the same thing. The writers with this film the dialogue is very ancient in terms but, of what they're saying but it's easier to grasp than his other two films i think it's it, there's less dialogue but it's easier to understand there's a there's a lot of silence in this movie and just savagery really in yeah. terms of filling up the audio yeah i because the witch it has a lot of that as well especially in the first act but then once things get rolling it becomes more about the action you're seeing on screen than the dialogue that's spoken so it, it i like how he's always kept this um cohesion between his films of like telling these old tales period pieces ancient set stories or even just uh, only a few hundred years ago but making the dialect to pertaining to that area in that time period accurate for the actors to say and slavery is also a major part of this film this story this culture and according to one estimate slaves might have compromised as much as 10 percent of the population of Viking area Scandinavia, while hard evidence in the archaeological record may be scarce, what seems clear is that the slavery played an important part of the Viking way of life, as in many societies before and since. So I think it's we're it, this movie, one of those movies that makes you feel fortunate to be born where you were today yeah. in the world, because I'm sure it was so across the entire planet yeah. you probably had a one in ten chance of being born a slave if you if it was or, ca- or before, captured into slavery before like the what the 1600s or something yeah. like that. No so, matter where you came from, yeah. So yeah. the slavery was everywhere especially you know in this century medieval era for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and i just think eggers crafted something really unique original um something fresh especially this year there's not going to be any movies like it this year and when i was watching it i felt it made me it reminded me a lot of the green knight which we saw last year yeah the music especially too but it, it was just felt like this great old ancient tale to see on a big scale with so much creativity a great lead performance, Dev Patel and Alexander Skarsgård in this fo- this film. I think that they're like cousins of the last couple of years. These two movies are cousins, The Green Knight and um, The Northman. Although Northman has a lot more brutal action, it felt like uh, it could it would be a great double feature. Yeah, actually, yeah. it really would be. And on the surface, I think a lot of people are looking, maybe look at it and think of it, oh, it's just like this horrific savage action movie just someone cutting dudes heads off with a sword <laughs> there's a lot more to it below the surface that we'll get into when we get spoiler territory which we'll probably should start heading yeah into you want we could head into it's been it. about 20 minutes so we'll yeah. start heading well, to spoiler do, you territory. Want, do you want to give our audience uh, your rating of the movie out of 10 my rating i'm giving yeah. it a nine mm-hmm. i really enjoyed the hell out of it i want to see it again asap but i really enjoyed it and it's just a it was it's a refreshing movie to see in mm-hmm. today's movie climate. Nice. I'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10. I really loved it. It was visually stunning, dark, brooding, 
action was excellent. Performances were great. And I think that if you're a fan of Eggers, you this will be right up your alley, especially if you want to see something different this summer. And we need movies like this to perform yeah. well. So go see it. Take your friends. Take your loved ones. If, if they're of age, bring your sword. It's not. It's obviously you know. It's 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 a tough movie to watch for some parts, but definitely go see this movie. We highly highly recommend it. All right. Let's now get into here's it. your warning. We're gonna get into spoilers, so we'll give you a couple seconds. You have to take like a sip of your coffee, take a moment. Glug 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 glug. All right. Glug, so glug, glug, we're getting glug. to spoiler territory now. And how about we'll start with with some characters? What do you think? Let's do it. So Amleth played by Alexander Skarsgård. Amleth. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying. Like, okay. I could. I was. It took me a few. Uh, it took me like 20 minutes to be like, oh, they're saying Amleth. Yeah, you got to pay yeah. attention to this movie because the person behind us, they were getting, they were translating like every piece of dialogue for the like, person. Like she they was were literally with. saying to the guy she was with, she was literally saying the dialogue, and I was like, it's like I, if I, you it's, can't pay attention, yeah. like just listen, like you can't just translate every piece of the dialogue yeah. in the movie. It, yeah, and maybe just don't watch everything with subtitles, and then you could get used to watching something without subtitles. Alora, we digress. <laughs> so Amleth is a prince whose kingdom and mother are taken from him by his traitorous uncle, and he escapes death as a child and grows to be this Northman. He's very honorable in his quest for gen- vengeance, though a flawed man and eventually just a, a barbaric killer. Yeah, and his revenge defines him, and his hate defines him. Uh, what I like about the approach to the character um, that Eggers had was is he's not a hero. He, this isn't Maximus. This isn't a guy who's like going to save the day and inspire people. He's a guy who just wants revenge for um, the tragedy of his past, and he wants to kill the, the man who slayed his father. And he is very much defined by his rage and his thirst for vengeance. Exactly. So he's he's not exactly a typical protagonist because we see him do horrific, savage things, yes. especially like with the sequence where he's part of these berserkers working for this, we can assume, warlord or yeah. another king or something, and they're just taking over villages and pillaging them. And he takes part in the murder of innocent people. Yeah, I, I really like how Eggers approached it that way because you're not going to see that very often in, in a movie, especially of this size where you have a character who's like literally committing the act of pillaging a village and burning people alive. Been, like That's not a heroic thing to see. And you can see behind Skarsgård's eyes that he doesn't really, he doesn't seem to like doing this, but he's become like, in a way, lost in his hate and overcome by his fury. And he's seeking just like to let it out. And so he's joined up with this crew and it suits who he is at this time in the story of being a vengeful killer and just wanting bloodlust. And so I really like how they didn't compromise. They're like, our character... He is not a good guy. And he's full of just only revenge and hate. That's all that motivates him in life is to find a way to get to Fiona, his uncle, to kill and and avenge his father. It's not until – and that's his fate. And he accepts that as his fate. And it's important to him because he he makes that pact with his father um, with um, uh, Hymir, Willem Dafoe's character, of – uh, the king is like, if I'm struck down, you you have to commit yourself to avenging me no matter what. And as the boy, Am- Amleth, he, he agrees to this. And in order to honor 
that pact he made with his father, he devotes his life to it. Exactly. So that's like a hallucinogenic initiation into the line of kings. I the love tree that scene. Of kings. It's actually yeah. really cool. It, it reminds me of Lion King. It reminds you of Black Panther. It's just this culture's version of like, where do the kings go once they are passed? Yeah. And this is him making that pact, like Anthony said, where no matter what happens to me, you have to avenge me. That's that's the only way to honor or else you will live in shame forever. It was just so friggin'. I was like laughing to myself watching you see Willem Dafoe out of his mind. Ethan Hawke and this kid, they're half naked and they're just barking like dogs, drinking from bulls. And it was just, I was like, this is crazy. This is what it's, it's we signed ins- up for. It's insane. Like, well, yeah. But what, but it's important for Amleth because what King Arvandi is doing is he's Arvandil. Arvandil. What he's doing is because early, early in the film, he mentions to the queen that he's worried that their son is too innocent. And so he needs to understand if he's going to be a king. The world is full of death and violence, and so we need. I need to toughen him up. This was an instance of the king showing his son that you need to be strong. You need to be an animal, a beast to survive this land. If you're going to be a ruler here, these are some of the most ruthless killers alive who are, who want what you have, and you need to become an animal to defend it. And we're not saying that's a positive way of life. We're just no, saying yeah. that this, this is, is the, what the, this is the interpretation yeah. of the movie and the culture that we're talking about. We're yeah. not saying that you should be like this. This, right. is, this is what they were like. You know, yeah. preventing a cancellation later on. <laughs> 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 but the thing with this hallucinogenic like trance, it's, it's like an initiation because he uh, Arvindil says he did the same thing with his father. His father did the same thing with his father. So it's like because he's also dying, he said the foe got a taste of my liver. He has a fatal wound. He may die soon. He's not sure yet, but he's initiating his son to get him ready for when he maybe will have to become king very soon. And Ethan Hawke is excellent as the king. I Like you said, we, we haven't seen him like this. He's very like aggressive and you can see he has a lot of like rage and, and power inside him and his voice is deep and low and he's he seems like an intimidating figure. I've never seen Ethan Hawke as being like super intimidating in a role um, but with this film I thought he was excellent and really stole the show when he was in it. He's like an animal. Yeah. That's like a, what, what a lot of these yeah, Viking the way he characters spoke. are, are yeah. like animals. And the thing with Amth, um, <laughs> Amleth. It's Amleth, hard word to say. his name yeah. right. <laughs> the thing with Amleth, like we were talking about, his only goal in life once he's older is to seek revenge and avenge his father. It's not until he finds love that his fate changes and there's a prophecy and everything like that. But let's get we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, for other characters, we have King, Queen Gudrun, played by Nicole Kidman, who is Amleth's mother. And Amleth, as he is after his mo- father is killed, he sees from his perspective his mother be taken by uh, Fjolnir, his uncle, and forced to be the queen of his new kingdom. And Fjolnir is the brotherless, is Amleth's uncle, his father's half brother, who is also a bastard, so he can never truly be king. And then once uh, Fjolnir replaces uh king arvandil as king and destroyed and kills him he becomes king but only temporarily because he's eventually overthrown by harold of norway and then lives in exile in iceland he's instead a chieftain and he's also in my opinion very hypocritical of the barbarity and savagery of amleth and his culture and his father and then we also have willem dafoe who plays Hymir the fool who also seems to be a witch in some capacity then we have Bjork. He's like a, I would say he's a combination of a jester and a spiritual priest, in my opinion. Yeah, and and, and uh, like a consigliere, consigliere yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the king. And then um, Bjork, Tom Hagen. Yeah, yeah, Tom, then Bjork as uh, another witch. And then there's another uh, another he witch 
Um, I can't remember the character's name, but also, so we get three witches in this movie, and the cast is really talented. Um, fi- and then finally, Anya Taylor Joy as Olga, who has Olga wit- of the Birch Forest, of the Birch Forest, who has witchcraft abilities that we get to see when she poisons the minds and the bodies of the men who of um Fjolnir's men on his land, which is a really terrific scene and sequence when Olga and Amleth begin teaming up. But I want to talk about real quick Nicole Kidman. I think stole the show in a lot in her inner scenes. I agree, man. Because when she was cast in this movie, I was like, "Oh, is she just gonna play the 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 mom who's in distress and or needs a submissive to save? queen?" Because I was like, "Nicole is so talented, and she really can do any role she wants." And, and I'm sure she's a huge fan of Eggers, but I was like, when I watched the trailer, I'm like, I'm, I'm, "Maybe she just like likes wanted to work with him." But then you see in this movie, she has probably. I think she is the most interesting character in the whole movie because the movie has an excellent twist that you don't see coming where when Amleth finally reaches his mother and reveals himself to her and he's hoping that she'll be like, finally, you're here and I'm so glad you're alive. Let's get out of here. Let's kill this horrible man who, who slayed your father and, and tried to kill you. Now, I'm Thank you for rescuing me. But then we learn she was behind it all. She begged Fjolnir to kill Amleth's father because... King Arvandal was a terrible husband, a greedy, selfish, womanizing man who cared for no one except for himself. He endured me. Yeah, he endured me. And also, um, we learned that Queen Gudrun was a slave who the king accidentally impregnated. So then that's why they were married. And that's because she birthed a son. Exactly. And, And so that's why Amleth was a prince to the king and queen. And so. I thought it was an amazing turn, twist of events that I did not see coming, having the queen be this terrible villainous figure, and she's like telling her husband when when Amleth gets away, like, find it, find my cursed son and kill him. I was like, oh man, and Nicole absolutely destroyed her scenes. Yeah, it shows a great irony between Fjolnir and, and Amleth, or, or like a similarity where they're both technically bastards. They both are technically half noble born, half they're not technically could be king, even though Fionor is the he becomes Fionor the brotherless, and before his death, his brother taunts him, saying that you will never be king. You are only a bastard. But technically, kind of Amleth is technically really only a bastard too. And also, his his prophecy came true, where uh, Fionor's reign did not last, just like the king said it would not. True. That's something I really like about this movie is the supposed like witchcraft but also the god the divinity the the prophets and how the gods are actually taking play on the events it's they're kind like of, playing chess and yeah it's, it's, these are it's really interesting it's yeah. almost like the odyssey or something like that or just or norse culture yeah uh, mythology but anyways before we continue we got some characters out of the way but let's head into our intermission oh and yeah we'll get more go. into it because we're, we're we're like a half hour in to prevent yourself from looking barbaric and savagery like these Northmen, you might want to trim yourself up and groom up with Manscaped.com using their lawnmower 4.0 groomer. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order today from Manscaped.com. I also recommend getting their ultra premium collection because if you are also a Northman, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to smell vile. So you can also, with their ultra premium collection, get some deodorant, body wash, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, hydrating body spray, and the package comes with a free set of Manscaped lip balm. Head to Manscaped.com, use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20% off your entire order from Manscaped.com and free shipping worldwide. Our podcast today is also sponsored by our great friends at 
MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. You know what our special coupon code is, Raiders10. That's right. Head on over to their website and make a huge selection of whatever posters you want, whether it be a classic film, comic book movie, something new. They got you covered, as well as a selection of TV shows as well. They also have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting. Whatever your poster needs are, MoviePosters.com can handle it. Now, what's the website? You know it. MoviePosters.com and our coupon code Raiders10. Get up on there, get that 10% discount, and get your posters today. Now, let's head into our intermission to begin with the movie quotes competition. You ready? I'm ready. I've been a poor man, and I've been a rich man, and I choose rich every fucking time. <laughs> Jordan Belfort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> what's the movie? Wolf of Wall Street. There you go. <laughs> Gonna answer the question, bro. <laughs> Here's my quote. <clears throat> this is uh, two characters. No, it's one character. Oh, yeah. Never mind. There's one, one or two characters. One character. Three characters? One character. <laughs> Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Look at me. How dare you? Close your eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is this... Is this... Wedding Crashers? No. Oh. <laughs> it couldn't be more different. I don't know if it was like an Isla Fisher scene in that. Or like, oh, it's or like, or it sounds like, like something her Or like the grandmother. Say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The favorite. Oh! <laughs> Good one. All right. Guess this movie release here. Exorcist. The beginning. <laughs> Origins. <laughs> the beginning. Is this the one with Skarsgård's dad? Yes, sir. Stellan. I'm going to go with um, 2004. Nice. You got yeah, it, man. You got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. Turn into Berserker over here. <laughs> Berserker. <laughs> All right. Guess this movie release here. The Family Man with Nick Cage. Is this the one where he um, is like a, in a different reality where yeah, his life yeah. would have been different if yeah. he like stayed with his wife? Yeah. It's a pretty cool movie. It's a sweet it's pretty movie. Interesting. It's, a good, it's a good family film. It's a good holiday movie, too. Yeah. It's a Christmas one, right? Yeah, it's Christmas time. Um, I'm Nick Friggin' Cage. Cage. Uh, I've seen that tonight. I can't wait. Um, I'm going to go 1998. 2000. 2000. Wow. Close call. Close call. All right. Movie pop quiz time. What was the name of the vampire... Alexander Skarsgård played on True Blood. Um, his last name was Northman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give you that. That's enough. Hold on. His first name, Eric. Yeah. Eric Northman. Yeah. I used, oh, to, I used to watch that show. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Isn't that crazy coincidence? Yeah. Eric Northman. Eric he plays, Northman. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's my quiz question. In what movie did Nicholas Holt play a zombie? Warm bodies, kid. Correct. Nice. I was three for three. Good for you, man. Nice. What was that two for three? One for three. Oh, damn it. Hey, next. Yeah, you've been, you've had plenty of good ones too. I've had bad ones. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, that. I've had plenty where I didn't get any right. Yeah. No, you know what? You're great though. Thanks. You're, you're great. <laughs> you're great. <laughs> Who we got for haters this week? Any unsubscribed or anything? Um, we have <clears throat> Geek and Ticks. Mike. He said. Uh, uh, on your review for Airbud, where you intimidate, you impersonated me. You didn't say hello, movie friends. I know. I, I, and so he wrote no hello, movie friends. Unsubscribe. I did. Um, hey everyone, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to 
the show. <laughs> Something like that. So yeah, you just you just missed my famous line that I always say. No, I got all the other ones in. I got knocked it out of the park and yeah, firing yeah. on all cylinders. And then uh, also Jacob Childs, who just joined our Patreon, um, he said, um, "If you guys, he said, if you guys made a uh, Harry Potter podcast every time, I'd listen every day. Unsubscribe. <laughs> I honestly have thought about it." <laughs> We're always looking for new ways to talk about Harry Potter. I talk about Harry Potter. You could do an entire year podcast of something different topic every day on that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. Maybe we should Easily. do it. Easily. We don't have the time, though. No, nah, we can't do a spinoff. We're, already, like, we're, we're swamped already. <laughs> we'll make a multiverse. We, make a, we, a post an ep- <laughs> we post an episode every day, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even have time to put my chair together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we have a Godfather uh, patron this episode. We do. It's Paul Blythe. Paul! Paul! We made you an offer you could You became this. a patron. The day Thank of the so Northman episode, you were a patron. Paul's been an awesome fan of the show, and Paul has requested... The great comedic UK film Sing Street. Oh, nice! Which is a really great movie. I watched it for the first time a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. Great music. It's about a, a young guy um, trying to find his way, coming of age, and he starts making music with his friends. But they make cool, fun music videos, mm-hmm. and like he's they're dressing like the Cure, like those kinds of fun outfits and that kind of music. And it's kind of like that movie Frank. Yeah, it's similar, kind but of. it's just funny. Yeah. It, it's it's not weird. Yeah. But it's just it's not fun. wearing a giant head. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't get dark, but it's it's a really great um, coming of age film. I loved it. It's very funny, uh, very talented cast as well. So I can't wait to uh, talk about it on this day in film history. Also, again, Paul, thank you so much. You're the man. On this day in film history, today is April 25th, and 2008, Baby Mama came out. Happy birthday to Al Pacino. Talia Shire and Renee Zellweger. Ah, two Godfather actors. I know, right? Wow. My streaming recommendation is The Terminator on Amazon Prime. I thought it fit this episode pretty nice. well. I picked Leave No Trace on Hulu, which stars Ben Foster and Thomas and McKenzie in her first movie role. It's a really excellent film. Check it out. Now let's get back into our episode on The Northman. And so basically the plot of Amleth is after his father is killed by Fiona and he- Amleth escapes on a boat, and then he grows up, and he's now part of this, like, berserker gang of Vikings who fight for this, we can assume, king or warlord or something, and they're ra- they're pillaging villages while they're conquering and colonizing Iceland. He gets word of Fjolnir's, ex- where he is, and his present-day existence as, in, in living in exile, as basically a goat farmer, the person says, and... But he still is very wealthy. He's a chieftain, and he's looking for slaves. And so, yeah, he's a big landowner. Yeah, still. Amleth, he smuggles himself onto a slave ship, marks himself and brands himself as a slave, the same slave ship that Olga is on. After he and the other Viking berserkers destroy and pillage her village, now this is her existence as being a slave. He becomes a slave just to get close to Fjolnir, so that at some point he can strike his revenge. Yeah, and all, this movie has a lot of great imagery that reminds me of um, movies like The Lion King, because you know it ends. It starts with the, an image of a volcano, and you're like, "What is? What's he trying to say here?" And then it ends on the volcano as it's erupting, and so we also see um, the gates of Valhalla opening up. We see it twice. First of that vision that he has when um, the shield maiden is carrying him, but he's seeing his future death and ascent into Valhalla. And so what the volcano and Valhalla in the sky, I think it's obviously the gates to heaven and then the volcano is the gates to hell. Because at the end, 
Funor says, meet me at the gates of hell where we're going to have a fucking crazy fight. It's brought up multiple times. Like if he yeah. pulls the if he, when he gets the sword, if he pull, yeah. if he unsheathes it in daylight, then yeah. he will be like fallen to the gates of hell. Yeah, it's exactly. brought up multiple times. Yeah. So I love how we're, it, we're seeing both heaven and hell in on earth. You know what I mean? And I thought the volcano was a brilliant way to illustrate like this is the door to, to hell. And this is where um, and then the, the gates of heaven in the sky. Really cool seeing that. And I love the final showdown on the gates of hell, surrounded by lava, and it felt a lot like I, you can tell it's inspired by Lion King because you have the final battle surrounded by fire between Scar and Simba um, on the mountain. They're not on a volcano, but like they're on the mountainside. And then also um, speaking to his father in the sky, you could say relates to Valhalla in the sky and the, the volcano battle at the end of this movie. Absolutely agree. And the 100%. tree in the tree as being like the tree of kings in this film. Yeah. And the gods have a lot to play in this movie, in this in this film. And I love that aspect when it's not all it's not completely they're in control of everything, but they they aid in specific characters. It's just like the Odyssey, you know, it's really interesting. Specifically, there's a prophecy made of Amleth that he will have his vengeance, he will have his revenge, and he's aided by the gods, you know. He's giving uh he's given clues by these prophets or these these witches, you could say. They're more of like probably prophets in general because they have divine intervention and divine knowledge um he has to his his goal is now he's told that he has to find the night blade this this mythical sword called dragger and with this once he acquires it he's able to carry out his vengeance on fionor and reclaim his kingdom basically so it's actually really cool where he's on a quest technically where he has to find this mythical blade and that's what he has to use to kill fionor and get his revenge and also odin rest frees him from his restraints yeah uh, that the ravens bite at the ropes which is essentially odin you know being represented by the raven odin's the one freeing him to make him a to give him the ability to and act his revenge. And I really like the um, the sequence of him getting the sword from that, like, giant zombie Viking who's holding the sword in, like, this underground area. Really cool sequence. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. It's yeah. one of my favorites in the movie because there's a lot going on. It seems to be some sort of maybe... It's like an ancestral burial site or, or like a ship burial site. Maybe it's a king and he's holding the, the night blade, the dragar. And it's a really cool sequence where he goes to grab it and then he has to battle this like this like zombie king giant, who's giant. giant. He's enormous. And he defeats him in battle and he has the sword and he unsheaths it in the moonlight. But then it cuts to him where he hasn't even grabbed it yet. And he then he picks it up and the zombie... Uh, has no fight against him at all. He just his just bonus just corpse. But I think it's just showing that uh, it's he's proved it, like he's worthy. It's kind of like it, Thor picking up his hammer. This is this is him showing that he is worthy of using the sword. We we just this is like a battle that would have played up where he would have proved his worth. Or you could say the battle took place in the spiritual world. Yeah, but I'm what the, I'm saying. Like, is, yeah, I know. Either but way, yeah, I looked at it as like it, he the battle took place, um, and it happened spiritually. And then that, and then the, he's back in the physical world. Yeah. Either way, it was to show that he's worthy. Yeah. Which is really interesting because we also saw the same thing during the during the hallucination sequence in the opening where um, when he's a kid and they're and the spells are being cast and he then all of a sudden he looks down he's floating in the air like obviously he's not really floating in the air but spiritually metaphysically 
his body, his his soul is probably floating in the air. So I looked at those two scenes as related to each other. Mm-hmm. And the gods seem to want Amleth to succeed, and they're aiding him in his journey for vengeance. And you know, this movie it's full of revenge, but is it is it revenge just for the sake of revenge, or, there, or is there something deeper and, and bigger to that? And I think it's something to do, it's. it's honor i think the gods respect honor and the fact that this was stolen from him from his uncle the kingdom and everything i think it was, it was rightfully his and they're aiding him and getting it back whether it's it's morally good or not you could say because it's just at times it seems like revenge just for revenge it does and there's also a lot of connection between uh human beings being beasts and being animals you see it a lot in this movie whether it He's acting like a dog as a kid or like a bear or a wolf when he's attacking a village or, you know, screaming that blood-curdling growl. Just his body yeah, language. Yeah, his body language. just yeah. huge. His arms just outstretched just and like holding he's a sword. Too. He's hunched the whole time. Like his body posture, Skarsgård keeps like his neck down and just like – it makes his back bigger. That's why he was doing that posture. It looks makes like him, a beast. Looks, it makes him look massive. And so there's a lot of connection between – you know, these men being just monstrous beasts. And are they anything more than just beasts? Are, 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 they, are, are human beings more than just animals? Or are they the worst kind of animal? Yeah, or are they the worst kind of animal? That's a great point. So I think there's a lot of great ideas in terms of the storytelling, making connections metaphorically to that. Exactly. I think that's what he's trying to show, specifically Eggers, with the body language and with the berserker mode is that humans are the most ferocious and probably horrific animals on the planet earth i think that they, he showed it really well with these viking northmen warriors who just pillage everything that they could and do what they're told in this berserker rage of of barbarism and savagery it's really interesting and i think that's another one of those things we're talking about where it's below the surface the meaning of it yeah 100 percent. now there are a couple of things that took that made me prevent this from giving it a over a nine rating mm-hmm. so the second act i felt was quite slow um when he got to um Fjolnir's land i think they could have trimmed out 15 to 20 minutes of that and because once it, it was it was beginning to slog a little bit but then once things got going an hour and a half into the film it was getting a lot better but i do feel like it was quite long in the middle of the film where it didn't need to be i think their intention and motive was there was they had to develop the relationship between amleth and olga who are both yeah. slaves for fiona on his land they have to establish that uh queen gudron is there as well with fiona we they have to establish the the sons thorer thorer the proud and then gunner which is the youngest son technically his half brother i think pro- Thor- yeah, i'm pro- guessing that thorer was already born that was the baby he held yeah that's in the that opening was, so it's not his yeah. half brother but gunner is his cousin amlet's half brother for sure yeah and i think they wanted to show that relationship and also i think they needed amlet to bide his time and be patient with his revenge you know he's already waited so so what two decades for his vengeance he has to be smart but again, I think developing the relationship with Olga was essential, and then him slowly rising the ranks of the slaves, proving himself loyal to get close to them, to be able to get the sword, to hide the sword, to prepare everything, and they have that crazy like lacrosse match. I think it's <laughs> called uh, Natalikir, which is just the most violent game I've ever seen played out, where just mm-hmm. people are these dudes are just rushing to play. It's kind of like lacrosse; you have to hit a ball off a pole, but you also have a stick where you can beat, beat, up, yeah, beat the other men. It's yeah. crazy, but Amleth subconsciously in a way or maybe he does it on purpose saves gunner from being killed during the match when gunner runs on he did the it field. on purpose because he's his brother yeah but yeah. still is it, it maybe it was out of instinct maybe he saw you know maybe he saw himself in gunner he didn't want to kill gunner but that was at the end of the film just kind of an 
something that had to be necessary because Gunner was going to kill him if he didn't. Yeah. Just um, like, yeah, we had to kill his mother. Yeah, I looked at it as, like, he he is, he is loves – his family still so important to him at that point. So his brother being in danger, it was his natural instinct he, to save him. And he didn't know that his mother was Not the, yet. One, the plot behind yeah. everything. He, he thought that his mother was only there to protect his brother. And so maybe and he's like, I can save them both. Exactly. And – but I do, I do think they could have trimmed some, some of it out. And I also had, I was a little disappointed. We never got went back to the kingdom. I was expecting from the movie the way it set it up was that he was going to kill Filnior and take the kingdom back. Um, and it ended up just being um, killing Filnior. And so I was a little like, oh, I was hoping to like, I'm I'm fine with him dying at the end. I was totally cool with that. I thought it was a great ending. But never returning to the kingdom. I I wanted that from the setup of the movie and the setup of his of his quest and what he wanted. So I feel like he never got that back. Well, technically, he did in a way, you know. So did Anlith succeed? Did he succeed in his entire quest? Did he avenge his father? Did he save his mother? Did he kill Fionnor? He did two of those things. He killed his mother because he finds out the truth, which is horrific for him. That she was the ultimate villain. She was yeah. the main villain. She yeah. plotted against his death. She begged Fiona, like Anthony said, to kill her husband, the king, and then also to kill her own son, yeah. which is horrible because she saw nothing but his father inside Amleth. So, but did Amleth succeed in that? You know, he's is it vengeance for the sake of vengeance? He swore this oath to avenge his father, so he didn't want to live in shame forever. And he's very spiritual and believes in Valhalla. He wanted to go to Valhalla. That's his other main goal: is to go there to be part of the the kingdom of the the lineage and the trees, the king, the the tree of the fathers. To and die the by the sword, yeah, exactly. To die in battle. Um, you know, he did not suspect his mother to have been behind the plot, which killed him and his father. And he doesn't go to his kingdom like Anthony says. However. In a way, he does ensure that he and Olga's bloodline will survive and succeed over Fiona's bloodline. And he sees the prophecy. He it, sees the vision sees of the, his he daughter. He sees the twins, yeah. and he sees his daughter becoming new, a queen, you can assume. Yeah. So essentially, Definitely queen he gear. does yeah. get his kingdom back in a way so that his his family, his line, he and Olga's blood will now be the rulers of his kingdom. So he, even though he dies, in a way, he technically does get his kingdom back. He gets what he wants, and he also... So because he says to Olga, I can both be uh, show kindness for my kin and then hate for my enemy. So he chooses both he rather chooses than just picking one because yeah. when he and when Olga and he find out – well, he finds out that Olga's pregnant. He has the vision after kissing her neck. Um, that's when he realizes I have to jump off this ship and I yeah. have to go kill Fiona because maybe we'll have a couple of years where we raise these kids. But Fiona's going to track us down and he won't stop until he kills everything. Yeah, and when he kissed her neck. Um, it's because I think her blood was exposed. That's what caused the vision to happen of him seeing that she was pregnant with twins who will um, be rulers in the future. So that, I I love that moment of that's why he saw the vision. And I really like the relationship between Olga and Amleth. They kind of complement each other where, very well where she puts it, you have the strength. Your strength breaks men's bones and my cunning can break their minds. And she displays that multiple times, whether it be with the poisoning, with I'm, I'm assuming the mushrooms to make everyone hallucinate and go mm -hmm. crazy, but also with her, with the things she says specifically to Fiona to prevent him from raping her and also to keep her alive for a few more moments for Amleth to be able to come and save her because when he finds out that his son's been killed by Amleth because Amleth's goal right now is to put Fiona's Torment life him. into chaos yeah. and starts killing men every night and like putting them up for display. And he kills he kills his son Thorir, 
And when that morning after Fiona finds out, he goes and starts killing the slaves because uh, Godrin tells him that find the slaves who are allies with him and that's how you'll find Amleth. And he's about to kill Olga, but because of the thing she says where she's like, you're, so you're not afraid of a woman's blood anymore, I see. That just caused him for a hesitation from slitting her throat. And that's a great representation of how she can control a man's mind by telling, by basically preventing him from killing her. And then that's when Amleth comes in the right moment to, to basically give, make that supposed bargain for a second to allow Olga to escape. And she also seemed to cast a spell on the men to start, have them start killing themselves mm-hmm. as if they were being attacked by like phantoms. Uh, and so I, I looked at it as her. She both poisoned them and also cast this hallucinatory spell on them. But definitely, the, when she put that mushroom in there, yeah, like that was definitely we're gonna get some. Because there's a reason here. why he showed a close up of the hand with the mushroom in yeah. it, like that weird looking mushroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I think their relationship's great. You know, their fate, their fates are completely intertwined, and Amleth goes from this character who's just focused on hate and vengeance. Now he's falls in love with Olga and his fate and his path has changed. And she says, what if you have a second path that you can follow? And he starts to go in that direction too. And then once he finds out they're pregnant, he decides to ensure that that path succeeds and my family and my bloodline goes on and my family is safe and my, safe and my children survive and my love survives and I have to sacrifice myself basically. And I think one of the strengths of the film is Egger's approach to injecting the culture into this movie There's so much great iconography and practices, cultural practices, religious practices, mysticism, witchcraft, um, so much. It's a fascinating culture. I've never seen it portrayed like this on screen before. And so the attention to detail and obviously the reverence for historical accuracy, he had a couple of experts on board who helped him understand what these people did in terms of kinds of religious they practice, um, how they worshipped, how they prayed to God's. Um, and I really adored that aspect of the film. Even how horrific they were, the spiritual ceremonies could be terrible. Sacrificial. The sacrifices were crazy. Like they're the you could say the eldest woman, the maybe the most wise of the community because she's eldest. She's like this is no wounds. These are no mortal wounds. These are from a, a spiritual god. Someone's possessing us or something like that. And then they they're offering a human sacrifice. That woman who's roped up, and then actually Amleth saves her and lets her go. And then there's the human sacrifice of the woman who's singing af- for Thorir's funeral. She's being sacrificed. We can assume maybe because she will be with him in Valhalla or something like that. It is crazy horrific. Where this is the things that's going on. But that's where I say where I think that Fjolnir is hypocritical because he says that Amleth is just born of savagery, whereas he participates in savagery as well in barbarism. He covers himself in blood and of a of a woman who is being sacrificed and does crazy horrific things as well. He killed his own brother and yeah. tried to kill his own nephew. You know what I mean? It, the, the lust for power is just present within all the men in this movie. You can see it. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean... When we get this finale, which is really an excellent action sequence, visually stunning, uh, you get you see Filnior and Amleth battling on a volcano, silhouetted by lava, in the nude, with a shield and sword each, and it is just absolutely epic. It was a terrific conclusion to this story, an excellent climax. Like the, the and the fight was great. It was brutal. Uh, Eggers did a lot of long takes in this movie even with the dialogue scenes, but especially with the action scenes, and that really pulls you into the moment. And there's no cuts from back and forth. 
they hold he holds the camera for a long time and really inserts you into the into the fierce battle taking place and i just love that sequence i think it's probably the most stunning sequence he's filmed so far that was maybe my favorite part of the movie it was an epic battle i've never seen anything like it before it was savage it was powerful it was moving and you know amleth thinks he's lost but he finds that last bit of strength to go berserker mode and defeats fiona and cuts his head off he gets his revenge he's got what he wanted it's his entire goal in life was to get to this point and dist- and kill Fjolnir, whether he died or not. And he is dying in battle, which is what he wanted as well. And he's yeah. being welcomed into Valhalla. He's being carried by the shield maiden into Valhalla. And you can look at that Fjolnir is probably be- being carried into hell after that moment, mm-hmm. if you saw from his perspective. Probably whoever he's- lost that battle went to hell. Yeah, be- and not just that, because because also he committed heinous crimes of murder and betrayal in the past Fjolnir. So he didn't have... He didn't- Die honorably, he didn't live honorably. Yeah. This movie was really epic. Loved so much about it. The production design was amazing. The sword was really cool, too. Yeah. The dragger. The I love that blade. sequence. The it's sword des- making. It was designed really well, and the name was awesome. Like I love this, these stories. It's kind of like King Arthur, mm-hmm. or even just the Norse mythology with Thor, in where these weapons and these these swords had names. They had, sort of lived. They had like lineage that you could trace. It's really fascinating and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really loved it. I, one of my favorite sequences was watching the sword being crafted. It was really cool. And then it had that great text on it in that cool like vibe like that style of ironwork where it has like these waves on it mm-hmm. that you don't often see on swords in movies yeah it was really incredible this movie all around was just incredible you know it was a great experience it was so fun to see in theaters i really hope people go to see it i hope it has a solid box office because i really hope eggers and these filmmakers keep getting big budgets to make movies that we get to see on the scale because i love his films but you know it'd be a damn shame if he was just stuck making five million dollar movies for the rest of his life which would be great but i still love to see we love to see these the epic auteur, scope these auteur yeah. filmmakers get these huge budgets because they really do deserve them i mean and the only guy really doing that out of, I mean, the only director really doing that is Nolan, who still preserves his artistic integrity, making large, huge budget movies. I can't think of another director who's working with giant budgets. Tarantino with Once Upon a Time, but his budgets usually are mid tier. Um, Michael it, Bay, my, <laughs> yes, <laughs> keeping their artistic integrity. He's really the only one. And then uh, Eggers, I, you could say the artistic integrity with Nolan is more in the writing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas this is visually interesting and deep uh, metaphorically. So I think that Eggers having a huge budget was a lot of fun to see on screen. I guarantee you've never seen anything like it. And if you're a fan of Eggers, you will absolutely adore this movie. And it's up there with best movies so far this year. I think that this movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. The Batman. Um, we Those are my have, top three. We have a lot of great movies so far in the spring. So definitely, if you're going to see a movie this week, this should be near the top of your list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully, we did a pretty good job after seeing it 16 hours ago. Uh, I feel good. Yeah, I think yeah, we did, it's fresh. We did solid. Yeah. yeah, it's fresh in our minds. Yeah. And hopefully, we got all the name pronunciations right or close to right. And, you know, it was, it was, this and a Lord of the Rings back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of medieval <laughs> stuff going on. But I love this movie. I can't wait to see it in theaters again. Definitely, obviously, we'll see it when it comes out on streaming and stuff like that. But definitely go check it out. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to subscribe if you're new. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Find us on all audio streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to check out one of these other videos right here for more content on our favorite films and breaking down all kinds of movie content. Thanks so much.